Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Today we've got a crazy story of stealing a dog. We'll get to that in a bit, but first, from insult to accidental movement. I, 37-year-old female, am a photographer who specializes in creative portraiture and have been fortunate to be pretty successful in my career. In early 2021, I worked with a local burlesque performer, who I will refer to as Jane, and we hit it off really well. We had several mutual friends and acquaintances and, by the end of the shoot, wondered how we'd gone this long without working with one another. The photos turned out beautiful and once they'd been edited, I'd shared them to a local networking group for models and photographers. This particular group was created by a friend of mine, specifically for AFAP, assigned female at birth people, and trans women to have a safe place to come to a network on projects, work, etc. The photos went over really well until someone new to the group who I'll call Natalie decided to start making negative comments about my model Jane. In short, she began to slut shame Jane and went on for a good bit about some nonsense involving a boy they both knew. Overall, it was just really inappropriate and unnecessary commentary that really shouldn't have been part of a group centered around modeling, photography, hair, and makeup. I made a point of replying to this person and telling them in no uncertain terms that their rantings had no place in the group and that their personal beef with the model really shouldn't be a topic of discussion in the photography group. There was a little bit of back and forth with Natalie increasingly throwing insults at me, which I took with a grain of salt, before the admin of the group stepped in and removed her from the group. I didn't know this at the time, but the only reason Natalie had been added to the group is because she had runway experience and the group was hosting a workshop for members that were interested. After this incident, Natalie was fired from the workshop. I didn't really think much of the whole situation after that, until my bestie messaged me asking how I knew Natalie. I told her I didn't, and gave her a rundown of the previous situation. Apparently, Natalie had taken the time to dedicate an insanely long social media post about myself and Jane. Specifically how she was going to make sure I never got any work in our city again. And that I was just a big old see you next Tuesday. Honestly, I had a pretty good laugh about it. In an effort to kind of poke fun at the situation and make a point that this particular word doesn't bother me in the least, I decided to do some self-portraits where I painted the big old C word all over my face, neck, and chest. I made funny faces, flipped off the camera, stuck my tongue out, etc. After all was said and done, I made the photo my profile picture on social media. It blew up. People really gravitated to the idea of it. So I decided to turn it into a special. For the month of April, I would offer a discounted portrait session where the client would choose a word they feel has affected them in one way or another, have it painted all over them, and in essence, reclaim power over that negative word. They could do it however they felt they needed to. If they needed to be mad, get mad. If they needed to cry, cry. If they wanted to make funny faces, have at it. I'm here for it all. One thing I've always striven for as a photographer is creating a safe and welcoming environment for anyone who comes to my studio. Well, it blew up. 
and I suddenly found myself overbooked for April and many more messaging me wanting to participate, so I decided to extend the special and just see what happens. Everyone had their own story behind these words and, honestly, with some, it took everything in me not to break down bawling right then and there. It's amazing how much power one singular word can hold over us. Some people have been carrying this weight for decades and it turned out to be an incredibly cathartic experience for several people. It was also gaining a fair amount of attention on social media. People were responding really well to the message behind it. Sometime in May, a local news publication reached out and asked if I'd be willing to talk about the series. I agreed and answered some questions, told a relatively condensed version of what sparked the series, etc. This was followed by two other publications reaching out, interested in the story. I decided at that time to talk with a local gallery that I have a close relationship with about setting up a solo exhibit later in the year, and they were really excited about it. We decided to set it up for early September, and it would run for two weeks in the gallery, and I got to work setting up an opening night event. I also asked that those who were comfortable doing so, share the story behind their word, where it would be placed next to their photo in the gallery. For opening night, I was able to gather some of the best local performers so we could do a show in conjunction with the gallery event. It was an incredible, diverse cast of burlesque, sideshow, and drag performers, including Jane, who had also participated in the photo series. We actually bonded over the whole situation and are now very close friends. The show drew in a crowd of more than 200 people before the gallery had to cut off ticket sales, and we were at capacity for COVID social distancing purposes. For the second half of the show, each performer did a piece in relation to the whole theme of the series. A portion of all sales went to a local organization for at-risk teens and young adults and the LGBTQ+, and allied communities that has a large focus on mental health. I was called on stage a couple of times, where I babbled incoherently for a little while, before shakily handing the mic back to the hosts of the show and scuttling off stage like the neurotic goblin I am. Public speaking is not my strong suit. For the exhibit itself, as people walk through the gallery, they see the negative words and the stories behind them. The name of the series is called Sticks and Stones, and in the center of the main room I had smooth river stones, where people could write their own negative word on one side of the stone and carry it with them through the rest of the exhibit. I was a bit busy helping with backstage, so I wasn't able to really see any reactions firsthand. But I was told by a few people that the reactions were very positive, with some attendees having an emotional reaction. And then there was the final room. Now, what the gallery attendees were not aware of was that there was a second part to the series. In fact, even the participants weren't aware until they arrived in my studio for their shoot. I also made a point of making sure it was kept hush-hush for the time being. After doing photos with their negative word, they would choose a positive word that they would like to replace it with. We would pick a spot on their face, neck, or chest to wipe away part of the negative word and paint on a positive word in bright red paint. In the final room, the walls were covered with the positive word photos. Smiling faces of the participants taking power back over these words that held so much power over them for so long. There was also another table with red sharpies where attendees could write their own positive word on the other side of the rock, and they could choose to take the stone with them or leave it in a basket on the table. I still have the stones people left with their own words on it and keep it in a special place in my home. 
I've been told by several people who attended that they decided to keep their stone as a memento of the show. I also had a great surprise while at a convention in the next state over where one of the attendees I randomly chatted with had seen my series and she also happened to be from an entirely different country. It was truly one of those small world situations. From April to September of 2021, Roughly 80 people participated in the photo series, and it is the highlight of my career as a photographer thus far. My clientele base has expanded, and I have a great reputation as a photographer in my city. All because someone tried to slut-shame my model-turned-friend and called me the C-word while vowing to ruin my career and reputation as a photographer. I've never been busier, and to my knowledge, Natalie hasn't been able to find any modeling work since. I don't know if Natalie is outright intolerable, but I wonder if they do have just simple mannerisms that make it pretty clear you don't want to work with this person from the get-go. Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you enjoy awesome stories of revenge, why not hit that subscribe button down below? That said, our next story is... Not satisfied with my work? Well, you'll have to find somebody else to do it. Context. I work in a multinational company regulated by entities such as the FDA, WHO, and others. In 2021 and the first eight months of 2022, my job consisted of writing protocols and executing them to finally produce reports to qualify materials and equipment. These types of documents require multiple people with different expertise to review and approve. This whole process can take several months. Most of the time, the same person will start the project from scratch and finalize it because knowledge transfer on this type of work is feasible but time-consuming. Sometimes in the middle of 2022, I became tired of this type of work and wanted to try a more hands-on job, which was easily achievable within the same company. I even stayed in the same department, but not under the same boss. So, in September, I switched and made sure I didn't let my old boss high and dry by saying I would continue four or five projects I'd already started. She asked me to stay on her team multiple times, but I was ready for a change. By continuing a couple projects, I could be mutated faster, and it would leave some time for my old boss to find a replacement. I absolutely love my new job, team, and boss. The cherry on top is the 15-20% to pay increase which came with it, So, I continue my life with my new job and a couple of projects for my old position and answer questions for my old team pretty much every week. The knife in the back. At the end of 2022 comes performance reviews. And to be honest, I'm not expecting a pay increase at all because of my fresh new job. My current boss confirmed, however, that he's happy with my work and wants to give me a raise anyway. Fast forward to the beginning of 2023. My boss convokes me and announces that I've been placed on the naughty list. From all employees of my job type slash class, I had been placed on the 5% underachievers by my old boss, referencing only my old position. These bosses are obligated to find underachievers and give them a lower pay increase than other employees so they can give a higher pay raise to the 5% overachievers. My boss explains that he couldn't do anything because it comes from my old boss, which had me working for her for most of 2022. I mean, I knew I wasn't the best or the fastest, but I worked hard and constantly tried to make the right decision, even if it took more time. Also, why the heck would my old boss want me to continue to work for her if I'm literally in the group of 5% stupid employees? 
Anyway, like I said, the low pay increase doesn't bother me that much since I already had my big bump. The thing that makes my blood boil is that this notch on my employee record will stay there forever, even if I change jobs in the same company. Petty me. I really don't know what my old boss was thinking by doing this since I'm still piloting two of the four or five projects I kept under my belt to soften the blow of me leaving her team. These last two projects are on the verge of being closed up. Three out of the four people gave me the go for a probation, and the fourth person wants me to clarify a technicality in my report. To be clear, I can't and I wouldn't destroy any work I already did on these projects, because it would be highly unethical, and maybe even illegal. However, I can refuse to sign a document because I'm not comfortable to do so, especially if I'm not confident with my skills on a subject, so... I am now not confident in anything I did since I'm an underachiever, so I removed my name as an author to all ongoing documents. At this moment, I'm waiting to see what she'll do to complete these projects. You almost wish that you could sabotage the work a little bit, but obstructing them by just abandoning them is also pretty satisfying too. I bet it's pretty great for OP to just be able to put their hands up and go, alright, I'm done with these then. Our next story is, call me a liar, gonna make you look stupid. Years ago, I worked for a state agency that saw me drive in different directions every day. The contract went through a regional agency, but I worked directly for the state per the contract. As such, the director of the regional agency was not my boss, and his only responsibility was to make sure I got my paycheck, including expenses. Things went swimmingly for the first year, until the director retired and they moved the deputy director, who was a known micromanaging jerk, into his slot. Well, the new director started trying to give me orders, to which I said, um, yeah, no, doesn't work that way, read the contract. That pissed him off to no end as I had my office in the building, and I was the only person he couldn't say boo to. Plus, I was really good at my job, and the state was very pleased with how things were going. Thus, no entertaining contract negotiating with the regional agency. Well, my job was pretty dynamic, in so much as I'd be blowing in and out all day, and every time I saw the new regional director, he would glare at me. When we were in meetings together, he'd seethe if I took the floor and explained what was going on in the field. This was necessary information that everybody in the meeting needed, so he just had to take it. I could tell he was calculating a way to gain some leverage over me. I'm chuckling now thinking about how much I innocently pissed this dude off. At any rate, somewhere along the line, he realized he had to sign off on my expenses and decided to take a deep dive into them. So one day he shows up at my office and says, you need to come with me. I'm a little taken aback and decide, what the heck, just follow this guy and see what he wants. He ushers me into his office and tells me to have a seat and leaves his office door open so that everyone in the vicinity can hear what's about to happen. He has my expenses for the past month spread across his desk. You're saying you went from A to B and that's how many miles you drove, then from C to D and E back to C? He said it loudly, basically accusing me of padding my miles. So, theft? So I flipped my crap right there. You're calling me a liar? A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s, and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy, and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that, after finishing a small questionnaire, will match you with a licensed therapist, where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. I bellowed. He did not expect that. Frankly, neither did I. I was just so furious that anyone would suggest I do such a thing, so I said, wait right here, and stormed out to my Jeep and grabbed my gazetteer. This was five years before Google Maps was a thing. Stomped back to my office, by now everyone was tuned in, and slapped it down on his desk. Then I proceeded to show him how I use back roads to save tons of time. He maintained that that was not appropriate and I should go the direct route and it would be faster anyway. I was through with his crap at that point and said, take it up with my supervisor, a guy he would never mess with. We left it at that and, if memory serves, never spoke another word to each other. Cue accidental revenge. There was a meeting on the seacoast an hour or so away, and we both needed to be there, and it happened that we got into our respective vehicles at the same time. He was traveling with a co-worker, whom I liked. He pulled out ahead of me, and I basically followed him for about 10 minutes, and then hit the back roads that, by this point, I knew like the locals. When they finally arrived, I asked his co-worker, Oh, did you guys stop for gas or something? They say no, straight through. Why, how long have you been here? I smiled, looking at the regional director and said, 15 minutes. Let's be real, the only thing that really went down here is this guy was trying to find anything to besmirch OP. This next story is Wi-Fi name revenge help, Stubbs Pegging Camp. My direct next door neighbors have hated me since I moved in. They've even taken it to Facebook last year when I asked them to have their guests park on their lawn and not ours. For the last year, I've been changing my Wi-Fi names to all kinds of absurd things such as My neighbor is keyboard bully My neighbors can't say it to my face I hate my neighbors So now I need your help for a new Wi-Fi name I'm trying to use something to the effect of the sign they have hanging on their fence Stubbs hunting camp The best I've come up with is Stubbs pegging camp Let's see what y'all got There's a lot of comments that are suggesting things like Stub as in stubby as in some parts you might not want to be stubby. Our next story is, I sing siren song of the dip near my house to crappy drivers. So, we live on a residential street, 
but that street is one of the main entry and exit points to the neighborhood with a lighted intersection at a main street. So there's heavier traffic on our road than in other parts of the neighborhood, and people using it are often pretty jerkish about the use of shared space. People often speed, run stop signs, and blow down the street despite speed bumps in the presence of children. It's stupid and dangerous, and when out walking with my dog, we just wave everyone by. Our neighborhood has multiple schools and kids all over the place at all times of day, elderly folks out for a stroll, dog walkers, cyclists, people doing people things in their neighborhood. My main method of transportation is by bike. And let me tell you, these folks who don't understand that you drive differently in a neighborhood than you do on a main road or freeway have a real hard time with that despite being on, again, a residential street. But my neighborhood, she has my back. About a block and a half from my house, there is a vicious dip. Like this thing will mess up your car bad unless you go over in a lifted truck or are absolutely crawling, like barely moving. This dip is also difficult to see and gauge the severity of, and usually people aren't paying attention. If you don't live here, you may not know about it or underestimate it, and we hear the crunch of bumpers and the scrape of undercarriages all the time, followed quickly by the brakes of people who weren't focused on the road. The intersection where this dip is also only has two stop signs for cross traffic to the dip, letting the dip do the work of slowing traffic down like a yield sign. Today, like many other days, I was coming home from the store and a car pulled up behind me. I was riding center lane because there were people working between two parked cars that I could see and hear, but the driver behind me couldn't. My presence in the middle of the street really pissed them right off and they started gunning their engine rather than waiting for me to clear the parked cars. I glanced behind me, saw the gesticulations and sped up. I hit that dip going at least 15 miles an hour fast for a bike but well below speed limits for a residential area. If I stand up on my pedals and use my knees and elbows to absorb the shock, it's actually not a big deal for me to hit this dip going fast. In fact, I rarely slow down for it, though I don't often intentionally speed up, unless the driver behind me is acting like they have no sense in, once again, a residential neighborhood. Now this car and I are on a journey together that will not end well for one of us. I speed up and imagine they feel good that I got the message and am fleeing, fear in my little heart at the might of their vehicle, which was a nice car, a Jaguar. I almost felt bad. Almost. I hit the dip, as usual, and kept going. About two seconds later, they hit the dip. The sound of scraping plastic, grating metal, and the bounce of their entire car smacking the asphalt took all my rage at their entitlement and turned it into pretty smoke that was carried away with the breeze. I felt lighter. Immediately following this episode, I did what I always intended to do and moved to the right where there were no cars or people and let them pass. The speed at which they went over the remaining speed bumps was comical, like a child tiptoeing past the room of sleeping parents to steal a cookie in the dead of night. This isn't the first time I've done this. It won't be the last. I've also been a helpful fairy. When I see a car coming too fast, I wave them down. If they're behind me and have been kept in a respectful distance, I slow to make them slow, saving the underside of their car. I'm not only a siren luring drivers into the depths of this dip but so help me every time a driver puts me or someone else in danger i will sing the siren song of the dip 
as loudly as I can and watch them dash themselves upon it. This next story is, want to use my trauma darkroom as a little love nest and try to get me busted? Hope you like the lines at the unemployment office. I worked in emergency radiology in the early 2000s. The overwhelming majority of our film developing back then was done using daylight processors. This was pre-digital radiography, but the occasion would still arise every now and again where you'd need to hit a darkroom to develop your radiographs. The dark rooms were fairly cramped, loud, nearly made you dizzy with chemical odor, were hot and muggy and almost entirely dark except for a blazing red safe light in the corner just so we could see what the heck we were doing. Our countertops were kept clean, but the majority of the room was usually pretty busted, especially the ER dark room. Entirely too many times, I'd rotate around the little revolving door from the trauma hall to that particular dark room and be mere inches away from hospital staff half naked and going at it. I should also add that revolving dark room doors do not lock at all. I was almost always carrying a highly time sensitive film anytime I did hit a dark room. So offending pervs were guaranteed a masterclass in profanity while they hastily threw themselves together and ran like heck. Hospital staff doing stupid sexual crap with each other is more common than you'd think, so I would just get pissed for a minute or two and dive back into my work. No time for love, Dr. Jones. I had a repeat, repeat offender who was actually an ER nurse. She had the brass balls to eventually try and go to my supervisor, post-coitus interruptus, this was time number three, and get me reamed out because I, quote, purposefully interrupted a private conversation. My supervisor laughed her silly butt right out of the office, as dear nurse C-word had no reason or authorization to be in the dark room, period. But I was gunning for that tramp from that point on. Took almost a year to nail her, but boy did I ever. Happened upon the bottomless hoo-ha one last time in my freaking dark room. I quickly grabbed her scrub pants, which were right between the revolving door entrance, and her nasty bare butt on my gosh darn countertop, and whipped right back out the revolving door again. Presented the now neatly folded scrub pants to the ER nursing supervisor moments later making sure the badge pole on the tramp's waistband was turned over to showcase the hussy's smiling face and name. Pointed the supervisor down the hallway to trauma and told them that nurse Naughty Bits was in the dark room and requesting the soup bring her these pants. The nursing supervisor briefly looked at me like I'd grown another head, but she turned on her heel and hightailed it down the hall to the dark room. Never saw Skank RN again after that night, The married respiratory therapist she was hooking up with that particular time didn't have his employment helped whatsoever from the fiasco either. I wish I would have had the time to stay and watch the fireworks. It was apparently rather brutal and quite the scandal for a while, but I was already hauling butt to the main department darkroom to get my film developed while Nurse Trollop got hers in front of the entire ER on a busy weekend. I also never saw a bare butt in my darkroom again until I transferred hospitals. So all of these hospital TV dramas are realistic where they go and hook up all left and right. I heard a popular YouTube doctor comment about how this doesn't happen at all, people would be fired, etc. Well, OP suggesting otherwise. This next story is, charge me $10 more and I'll take my house and go. 
About seven years ago, I bought a mobile home in a park that had $300 a month pad rent. As soon as I got in, I paid for a full year. The next year, they raised the rent $5, and I again paid for the whole year. Same for the third year. Just before the fourth year, they raised the rent $10. Now, they didn't do anything extra for the raised rent, and one day I was talking to a neighbor, and she was complaining about them raising the rent again. I said, yeah, $10. She says they only charged her $5 more. I talked to two other neighbors and they both were only charged five. I tried contacting the on-site manager two houses down from me and they never called me back. So I found some land at another park where I actually owned the land and only had a $200 a year HOA fee. Two months later, I moved the mobile home and last I checked with Google Satellite, the lot is still empty. I respect OP being petty here because they clearly understand the value of a dollar, especially $120, even if it's over the course of the whole year. Our next story is, jerk neighbor wants to randomly yell threats at me and my wife and kicks his dogs. Well, I stole his dog. So this just happened, but it's been about five days since it started. A few days ago, we see the neighbor try and run a dog over in his car from our bedroom window. I thought, what the freak, and went on with life. Day later, we see him grab his adult pit bull by its neck and drag him inside while kicking a baby puppy blue healer off his porch. So the other day, me and my wife were out back smoking while our three boys played in the front yard. Randomly, this guy from across our field in the street comes out of his house kicking his pit bull out the door yelling. Well, all the yelling caused me and the wife to look up from our phones over across the way. Well, that pissed him off, because he then started yelling at us that he was going to come over and knock my freaking head in. Whatever. Everyone in Texas has a gun on the other side of every door in their house that don't have kids. Mine safely locked away, but thumbprint fast. Try and knock my head in. So he went back inside and we smoked another cigarette for poops and giggles. When the wife was done, she went back inside. I finished mine, got up opened my door, and stood there looking at his house from across my field for about a minute. That pissed him off, cause out of the house he comes flying down the porch, into the edge of his yard yelling about how he was gonna freaking kill me and this and that, never left his yard. I stood there watching with a poop-eating grin to myself. He must have gotten bored, cause he went back to his tormented shell of a life and disappeared back inside. So, today, I went to work and got a message that crazy tried to run over the puppy when he got home. Well, we give our leftover scraps to the stray dogs during the colder days and months to help and not waste. Cue the revenge. Puppy's been smelling the food out there and coming to help himself. Since I worked half a day today as it's like 25 degrees, I came home and seen puppy waltzing across the field to look for food. So instead of going in through my back door, I walked the house and called for the puppy over my shoulder as I went to the front door. Slowly, he followed. I'm around my house calling for the puppy to quietly come here, and he followed me. He didn't let me pet him at first. He was scared. When he did let me touch him, he was all wet and almost frozen. Now he's got a loving home with three boys to love him, and his name is Nibbler. Wife just named him. 
Well, I'm definitely glad that the puppy ended up getting taken care of, but now I'm just worrying about the other dog or dogs, plural. I mean, it's nice that they put some scraps out here or there to help them, but really you'd like to see them go to a place that's going to at least attempt to rehome them rather than live a semi-stray life being mistreated by some jerk. Also, I'm not gonna lie, living in Texas, you have a neighbor like that who just snaps because you look at them. I've seen some crazy people with some weaponry do some crazy things to some neighbors just because they snapped over some dumb arguments. I'd be kind of paranoid whether or not you had protection yourself. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.